Well, what's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? You guys awake? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. And can you go ahead and help welcome all of our family that's watching online right now? We love you. So thankful for you joining us all over the, the country here this morning. And uh, I'm excited because we have a guest here with us today as we're in this series called Voices. And uh, I actually met Andrew uh, earlier this year. We were on a golf trip together with some other pastors. And, and we got paired up every single day to play golf together. Anytime you, you meet somebody that is bald and beautiful like yourself, there's just like a natural there's a natural affinity and love that's there. And uh, as we got talking, I realized that, man, there was something that God was doing in his life and through his church. And, and I was like, you know what? Our church needs to hear and needs to experience what God is doing through your church and through your life and making the impact that you are in the Lakeland area through Grace City Church. And so I invited to become and be a part of this series this summer. And so, Coastal, would you give a big Coastal welcome to my friend, Pastor Andrew Gard. Right on. Well, it is, uh, it, it's, it's good to be here. Uh, it's, uh, like your pastor said, uh, it's always, you know, it's fun to meet people in competitive environments, right? You, you learn a lot about who they are, and I just, um, I liked your pastor immediately. He's an easy guy to like, and, uh, and, and here's what I know to be true. I get to go to uh, a lot of churches in a lot of different pockets of the country, and uh, um, great churches don't just happen, do they? Right, great churches happen because um, one, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing is unique and special for that place. And two, God uses people uh, to lead great things. And so uh, can you show some love uh, to your pastors, TJ and Shayla, come on, aren't they the best? Just the best. Uh, uh, my, my wife and I got to have dinner with them last night and, and get some time with them. And, uh, and so we're just really, really honored to be here. And um, my wife wanted a little extra sleep. We see, we have two, two and a half year olds. We have twin uh, boy and girl. Uh, in, fact, in fact, I think we have a picture. Uh, can we throw up a photo? So this is, this is our little crew. That's my wife, Christina. And that is our son, Justice Andrew Gard. And that is our daughter, Adriana Grace Gard. And, uh, and they are absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, and so whenever you get a night away from your two and a half year olds and you have the option to sleep in a little bit and come to the 11.30 service, my wife took that option. So um, I'm here working and she's sleeping. That doesn't seem fair to me, does it? Uh, but, uh, but I'm glad to be here and, uh, and just real honored to be able to share uh, God's word with you. If, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 is gonna be uh, where we're at. And uh, you know what I love? Um, even, you know, I got to meet TJ on, on, on the golf course. I, I love uh, the way God works through relationships. I, I just love the way uh, seemingly random connections and seemingly random moments um, shape us as we move forward in life. In fact, if you and I were to go out to coffee and to have a conversation and I were to ask you about maybe your journey with God or maybe just in general your journey through life, um, uh, as you begin to share that story, you would inevitably begin to talk about certain people in your life that have made a difference in your life. You would not be able to talk about your journey without including others. And that's really what I wanna talk about today. In fact, I wanna preach a message that I'm calling When Two Lines Meet. When two lines meet, and it's really taken out of Matthew chapter 26 because there are a lot of intersections of lives taking place in Matthew chapter 26, 
verse six through 13. So it reads like this. It says, now when Jesus was out Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Now, first of all, that's just a bummer right there that some like temporary skin disease you had is written down in the Bible for all of human history. You know what I mean? Like, like John, the athlete's foot guy. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if somehow that was like a temporary, so, so, so he's in the house. It's like, man, you, if I'm Simon, you're like, hey, Matthew, you, you could have just said Simon. Yeah. You could have just, just, nope. Okay, Simon the leper. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let's pray together today over the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you so much for the honor it is to share your word. I'm grateful, God, for the honor it is to, to open up the scriptures and, and to grow and to develop. So God, I pray that you would uh, soften our hearts and open up our minds to what you would share with us today. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here today, God, that this would be a worthwhile venture, that we would leave here better than we were when we came in. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen and amen. Have you ever been inspired uh, by how somebody lived their life? You ever just seen somebody and you've been around somebody and, and you just go, man, that aspect of who you are uh, deeply inspires me. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in this. There are two types of people in the world. So I, I really wanna know uh, uh, what kind of people we have at the 9 a.m. service, right? Now, first of all, you are the most spiritual people at Coastal Community. You know that, right? You are the most spiritual people at this. You got up early, you probably already did your devotions, you probably already worked out. Probably, you, just, you are the most spiritual people at this church. It's not even close. And, uh, and, and, but, but I wanna know what kind of temperament the people in the room have right now. So there are two types of people in the world. There are confrontational people and non-confrontational people. So in, in fact, let, let me see your hand if you would say, I'm, I'm, I'm more non-confrontational. Let me see your hand. In fact, you even are nervous about raising your hand. You're like, I don't know, this feels very confrontational to me. I don't know if I wanna raise my hand. Okay, yeah, you're a non-confrontational type of person. You're, eh, I, I, don't, I don't really like it. You are what I call a warm blanket. When you enter a room, you want everybody to feel good and, and, and feel okay. Now, now, let me see your hand if you are a confrontational person. Let me see your hand. You are, okay, yeah, my people, right? You love confrontation. If something's going on, like if there looks like there's an argument ready to break out at the grocery store, you're like, I'm gonna slow down. And I wanna watch this thing play out a little bit. You know, right? You just, you, you just you, you like confrontation and, and, and you're into it. And you know, I've discovered in life um, that both of these approaches can do some serious damage. Right, right, right. The, 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 there can be damage that's done when we avoid conflict. Right, there can be damage that can be done to our marriage if we avoid conflict. There can be damage that can be done in our friendships if we avoid conflict altogether. And, and we've all experienced that. We've all had moments where we go, man, I wish I would have said something. Man, I wish I would have I, I leaned into that a little more. Conversely, right, there is also some damage that can be done from our highly confrontational people. Come on, you ever jump into a confrontation and, and, and it goes and you leave and you're like, ah, I probably should have took a nap. I probably should have like ate something uh, before. I think I was having a hypoglycemic moment. I don't know that, that I, I went in with the appropriate energy level uh, for what the situation 
call, I've seen damage done on both sides. And I really believe this. I believe that God calls us to live kind of this third way. And, and this third way isn't, it's not overly confrontational, but it's not avoiding conflict altogether. And it's this word that I like to use, engaged. I believe that God has called us to live engaged lives. I think God has called us to be paying attention. In fact, if I've learned anything from kind of this, this COVID season is going, man, you know what? I, I wanna pay attention a little more to what's going on in my surroundings. Like, when, I remember when I, was, I couldn't go to a coffee shop, I'm like, someday when I go to a coffee shop again, I'm gonna wanna like pay attention to what's going on. Someday when I'm back in the office again, I wanna pay attention to what's going on in my surroundings. I wanna live an engaged life. And I was taught this lesson early on in my ministry life, uh, right out of college, uh, Christina and I, uh, we pastored in the Washington DC area. And I had a mentor out there and, and we, were, um, we were on the DC Metro one time. And, uh, and we're going along and this little kid was doing little kid stuff, right? He was acting kind of wild and, and, and doing his thing. And you could tell the mom was getting frustrated. The mom was getting frustrated and she told him to knock it off, knock it off. And, and, and as it escalated, she said this, and I, I, you know, we're in this, couldn't believe it. And, and at, at one point after going, stop, 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 she goes, stop it, stupid. Like, now, um, I'm a big believer in preaching and communicating to your level of authority. Um, and at that time, I didn't have children. But even I knew might not be the best approach. And have you ever been in a situation where something like that happens around you and you have this thought, somebody should say something? Like, not me. <laughs> but somebody should say something. And as I, that was running through my mind, I'm like, man, somebody should say something. My mentor that I'm sitting next to, who was sitting next to the lady, leans over and he says, I mean, in a soothing yet convicting way, leaned over and said, ma'am, the word stupid is not easily forgotten. And I was sitting next to him and I'm like, that's awesome, right? <laughs> now I gotta be honest, I wish years later, I could tell you that story in the first person. I wish instead of saying, my, my mentor Monty leaned over, I wish I could say, and then I, Andrew Gard, your humble preacher today, <laughs> leaned over and said, ma'am, the word stupid is not easily forgotten. But I froze. I didn't know what to say. And I think sometimes we, we focus on trying not to say the wrong thing. I, I'm a firm believer in this. Sometimes the, it's actually worse. There's something that you can do that's worse than saying the wrong thing, and that's saying nothing. And I remember I asked Monty, I said, like, what possessed you to say that? Or like, like, how did you, and this is what he said. He said, I made a decision at one point in my life that if something was happening around me, somehow, some way, I was supposed to be involved with it. And not in an overly confrontive way, but in a grace-filled, spirit-led way. And I just thought, man, that's what I wanna do for the rest of my life. I wanna pay attention to my surroundings and I wanna, I wanna speak up and I don't wanna live my life living in such a way to where I went, ah, I should have sacrificed more when I had the opportunity. I should have gave more when I had the opportunity. I should have been more thoughtful, should have prayed for people more when I had the opportunity. And so fast forward the tape, uh, uh, years later, now we're pastoring in the Seattle area, which is kind of wh where I'm originally from. 
And uh, um, I, I was doing one of those late night trips. Now, I, I can tell you, for my confrontational people, there is one place, if you wanna see confrontation, that I can guarantee you, I can find you some confrontation if we go to this place. Like if tonight we rallied and said, hey, we're meeting in the church parking lot at 9.30 tonight, and we're gonna go to this place. There's one place I can guarantee I could find you some confrontation at about 10.08 p.m., and that place is called Walmart. Go to Walmart tonight at 10.08 and just roam the aisles. And you will find, and that's a pretty affluent area. I don't, do you guys have Walmarts here? Okay, cool, I'm just making sure. I just, you know, Lakeland, we got Walmarts, baby. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and so I was at Walmart. I was doing one of those late night, I have a dog, we need dog food runs, right? Which is like misery. That's hell on earth, right? You know what I mean? And, and, and so, so I go, okay, I get in the car. I go to Walmart, it's a little after 10 o'clock bound to see some confrontation, and I grab uh, my dog food, and I'm going to check out, and I notice some confrontation over here getting ready to take place. And so I only had one item, and I was going through that self-checkout line, and so I slowed my roll. Now, that's hard to do when you have one item. I'm slowing down, because I noticed some confrontation getting ready, to, getting ready to boil up, and it was all built around, same actually, relatively same scenario where there's a little child, and this little child is, is crawling on top of one of the self-scanning things, right? He's crawling on top, the mom's trying to check out, and the lady, by the way, that has one of the most interesting jobs, I think, in America right now, is the person that works and oversees the self-checkouts. <laughs> Like they're specifically there to do nothing unless you really need them. That's a good gig, you know what I mean? That's a really good gig. And so they're sitting there and she's overseeing the bay of eight, you know, checkout, self-checkout things. And she sits, and that person's only designed to like, if they see, that's what they're designed to do. And so, so this woman who's working there sees this woman's child crawling up onto one of the self-scanning things and very politely, very graciously says, uh, uh, ma'am, uh, your son, um, he's, he's up on the scanner. <laughs> can, you, can you not have him do that, please? The lady's upset, huffing and puffing, and she, she grabs him down. She's checking out again. Sure enough, the kid climbs back up, and now he's like, he's dancing on the scanner. Lady again says, ma'am, I'm, I'm so sorry, I hate to do this. Your son, he's, he's doing the cha-cha slide on the scanner. Um, can, he not, uh, can he not do that? And the lady looks at her and says, well, if you would do your bleeping job, I could get the bleep out of here. And I was there, and I remember what Monty had said, if it's happening around me, it's happening to me. And I said, oh, ma'am, 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 you don't need to talk to her like that. And then she looked at me. I thought that was gonna be the end of it. I, I was gonna get in the car, pat myself on the back and go, what a good Samaritan I am. <laughs> and she said, well, who the bleep are you? <laughs> Ma'am, I do not wanna do this here at Walmart. I'm a pastor in this city, right? And, and she, said, she said, who the bleep are you? And instinctively, this is what I said, word for word. I said, ma'am, I'm the guy that's not gonna let you talk to her like that. Get some. And I don't know why I said get some. I was like, why did I say get some? Like, I'm gonna fight this like middle-aged lady. I'm like a college pastor in this. Like, why did I say get some? 
But I just made a decision at some point in my life that meant I, I wanna be an engaged person. I wanna be the type of person that's gonna like actually like lean in and, and be a defender of people and encourage people and build people up. And that's the type of person that I wanna be. And, and, and what's interesting is, is that this is how God has always worked. He's always worked through people that are paying attention. Whether it was Moses just going for a walk and he sees a burning bush. Isn't that interesting that Moses just could have kept walking? I mean, th think about human history. Human history is hinging on Moses paying attention. Think of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, he was, he was intrigued by Jesus. And he sees Jesus walking. What does he do? He runs up. He starts climbing a tree just so he can see Jesus. Jesus sees him when he passes by the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm gonna have dinner at your house. His whole life and his kids' kids' future is hinging on Zacchaeus just paying attention. I think a lot of times we focus on our talent. And I don't think we focus nearly enough on developing the ability to merely pay attention. I don't think we focus enough attention. I'm going, am I listening to the leading of the Spirit of God? Am I trusting that thing on the inside that wants to lead me to places that God can only take me? And, and I know this because I'm grateful over the course of my life that I've had people that were paying attention and have made all the difference in my life. In, in fact, I, I remember um, when I first said yes to Jesus Christ, I was seven, 17 years old and I'd never heard the gospel, I'd never been to church, never heard, about, I, I thought of Jesus the way um, I thought of Julius Caesar. I, I didn't really know the full story, I didn't know the extent of it, I'd never heard Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, that was totally foreign language, and a friend had invited me to, I didn't know it was a church service, I thought it was like an event. You ever got tricked into going to like a, like a church thing or a Christian, some of you, you, some of you, you're still Christians today, 20 years later like me, because you got tricked. Right? So I got tricked, I show up and it's like an environment like this and, and it was a, a huge event. So there were like, like a few thousand people in this college gymnasium and this guy was speaking and he was preaching the gospel and people were worshiping and they're lifting their hands and they're pointing at the sky and I'm like, what are they pointing at? Like, like I'm just, I, I, I didn't know what was going on but I knew I was like, and now at this, at this stage in juncture in my life, I knew that it was the spirit of God convicting my heart and, and, and calling me home. And at the end, uh, the person who was talking said, hey, raise your hand if you felt something like you never felt before. And I'm like, I done did a lot of drugs, but I've never felt this before. This is strange, right? And, and, and he said, hey, uh, raise your hand if you felt something like you never felt before. And I raised my hand and this is what he said. I'd never heard this language before ever. He said, okay, come up here. We'll have people pray for you and you can accept Christ as your personal savior. And I went, uh. <laughs> but my hand stayed up. And for about two or three minutes, my, my hand stayed up. And I'm looking around, I'm like, there's no way I'm going up there. And after about two to three minutes, a man comes up who was sitting a few rows back that was kind of, he, he was a peeker. So he was the guys, you know, he said, every head bowed, nice close. He was like, <laughs> I invited my friend, come on, here we go, here we go, here we go, big money, big money, stop. You know what I mean, like, it's just like right? And he was a peeker. And what did he do? He came and he tapped me on the shoulder. His name was Ryan Ryan, first name Ryan, last name Ryan. I don't know, man. <laughs> and he said this, he said, I'll take you up there if you want me to. And at 17 years old, that was just a little nudge I needed. And, he took, and, and, he, and I said, yep, let's do it. And, and he took me up there and him and these two other college guys that had been trained to do this talked me through about the decision that I was making about Jesus Christ coming down and 
taking upon himself my sin and my judgment and that I could exchange this heaviness that I had for a garment of praise, for a levity and a joy. And they explained, and, and I took their hands and I began to just repeat after them. And I prayed what we call in the, in, in the church, the sinner's prayer. I just began to say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Make me brand new. Forgive me of my sins as I choose tonight to make you the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. I started bawling. Come on, you, you ever cry? You're not even sure why you're crying. Come on, you ever, you ever cry so hard you gotta go look in the mirror? You gotta watch yourself cry? You ever do that? You're like, I gotta go see this. This is, like, this is... I was having one of those kind of cries. I like, I gotta see, I gotta look at myself. This is fascinating. Well, what was interesting is, is that, that night, Ryan Ryan, he says, hey, what, what do you typically do for, you know, got some information. I said, I'm a junior in high school, a Rogers High School. And he said, okay, well, what do you typically do for lunch? I, I had off-campus lunch. And so I said, well, usually I just kind of go out with friends. And he said, okay, well, do you wanna, I, I can pick you up and take you out to lunch. And I can talk about the decision you made today kind of more in depth. I said, absolutely. Well, what I didn't know is Ryan, Ryan lived about 30, 35 minutes. He worked about 30, 35 minutes, one direction from where I went to high school. Got in his car the next day, drove 30, 35 minutes, drove, took me out to Wendy's. Come on, where God dwells. <laughs> and he gave me a book called 50 Days to a Firm Foundation. And he gave me my first Bible. And we just began to talk about the things of God. The next day he came and did the same thing. For the first 30 days of my journey with God, he came and picked me up every single day came and took me out to lunch and we talked about kind of that day's reading for 50 days to a firm foundation. For the next 20 days, the remainder 20 days of the book, he would come out every two to three days. And the days that he didn't come out and personally take me out to lunch, we talked on the phone. And I'll never forget on day 50, him and I talked about the final part of the book. And at the end he said this, he said, hey Andrew, I just wanna let you know, my wife's praying for you, I'm praying for you. We, we believe God's gonna keep you and God's gonna use you in a significant way but my assignment with you is up. Now that's language I didn't understand at that stage of my life. I understand it more now, but I didn't understand it at that time. And after that conversation, I didn't talk to Ryan Ryan for 20 years. What he didn't know is two weeks before that, I walked into a little church plant called Puyallup Foursquare. It would be later a church that I would be on staff at as the young adults pastor. And I walked into that church and that senior pastor, Roger Archer, made a beeline for me. He had a young son that he would bring to the local high school basketball games and I was a high school basketball player and, and, and he knew who I was. He had heard I had gotten saved and he said, hey, I heard you got saved and I wanna do everything I can to help you on this new journey. And him and I started meeting Friday mornings at 6 a.m. and we, started, we read every John Maxwell book. Uh, imagine we read the 21 Irrefutable Laws, the 17 Indispensable Clause. This is the same book over and over and over again, just packaged in a different way. It was awesome. <laughs> And he taught me how to read my Bible and, and, and he walked me through, and he's still my pastor to this day. And I gotta be honest, I would not be able to tell my Jesus story without talking about Ryan Ryan and Roger Archer. And can I just tell you, it's just the way God works. God wants to use you. God uses imperfect, fallible people that maybe don't have all the answers and maybe don't know everything and yet God still, like how much easier would this be? Like every Sunday, right? If I could just show up to my church, if TJ could just show up here and Jesus could just kind of like physically just manifest and like levitate right there, we would just get, our jobs would be so much easier. We wouldn't have to articulate anything. We'd just like point to him. There he is. Okay, let's pray. Who wants to get saved? You know what I mean? Like we would just do that every week. And yet for some reason, God has designed and set this thing up to use imperfect people to propagate the gospel. In fact, here's my point. My only point today is this. God brings his plan together through daily interactions of bold and faithful people. 
God brings his plan together through the daily interactions of bold and faithful people. I mean, think about this. It says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman comes up to him with an expensive ointment and she starts pouring it on his head as he's reclining at the table and the disciples are seeing it and they're frustrated and they're saying, why this waste? So there's this, this crazy scene going on and it's this seemingly uncontrolled environment. And I think too many times, you and I, we spend too much time trying to control our environment instead of allowing the Spirit of God to lead us into environments that we have not curated and that we have not specifically set up so that we could have some divine appointments. This is why sometimes what we do, come on. In fact, for me, one of the most like, like trepidation type of moments that I have is when I go to a wedding and, and after the wedding, I go look at the list of who I'm sitting by in the reception. Anybody else? Because, because you sit there and you're like, okay, are we going to Taco Bell right now or are we going to sit here? Like, 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 like what is going and, and the reason why we do that is because, in fact, sometimes like when you go out to lunch sometimes after church, now you don't, do, you don't say this out loud. I say it out loud for you. Because <laughs> what we do sometimes is when we're in group settings, what do we do? Oh, I, I, we do what I call timing our, our, our sit. Meaning this, we go out and we don't do this consciously, we do this subconsciously. And we immediately start to rank the people who would I most like to sit by during this experience, who would I least like to sit by during this experience, right? And, and, and what we do is we'll talk to somebody over here before we sit down to see how it's all playing out. And we'll go, okay, cool, okay. People low on my list are over there. Okay, cool, we're good. Open seats here, we're good, we're good so far. And we'll kind of, we're timing it out with the people we really want to, and, and, and then we'll go, <sighs> victory. You know what I mean? Like, and, that, like that's, and the problem is we do that too much in our life and I think we're missing out on some divine appointments. I think we're missing out on some opportunities that God wants to put us maybe at times in some uncomfortable environments and some situations. And I mean, think about this scene for a second. What a wild scene. Jesus shows up to a house he's probably not supposed to be at, which is why Matthew puts in Simon the leper. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he shows up to the house. And so you have Simon the leper, and then you have like the disciples, and then you have this, this random woman that, that comes in, and she starts pouring, head on, uh, pouring oil on Jesus' head. And this is not, not like a normal occurrence. And everyone's, like, ever been in like a real awkward environment? And you're like, this is weird, and I'm not sure what's going on. The disciples are frustrated. This woman's pouring oil on his head. Simon the leper is like, I can't believe all these people are at my house. I'm a leper. Like, like it's just, there's all these randoms around. There's all, this is an uncontrolled, unfiltered environment. And something supernatural is taking place. In fact, we know something supernatural is taking place is because the disciples get frustrated and Jesus corrects them. Because in verse 10, it says, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you, have, you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. They had completely missed it. They had completely missed it. Come on, you, you ever miss it? In fact, there's this psychology video. My, my wife is a trained psychologist. He teaches uh, uh, psychology uh, at, at university in our city. And uh, she has two master's degree, working on her PhD, PhD. And so I get free counseling whether I want it or not. It's really fantastic. I love it. Yay. <laughs> and there's this video that you see like in a Psych 101 class. You, you ever see this video where, where, where it, it'll say, um, okay, watch how many times the kids pass the ball to each other. 
You ever see this video? And, and it's like this group of kids and they're just kind of passing like a, like a ball around and you're, you're intense, you're counting one, two, three. And you're like, you're getting prideful. You're like, I'm good at counting. And then at the end, they say, how many times did they pass the ball? And you're like, 11, 11, I know it's 11. And it'll give you the number 11. You're like, ah, I'm smart. And then it'll say, did you see the gorilla? And you're like, hold on, what? And then they'll show a replay of it. And sure enough, while the kids were passing the ball, there's a, a person dressed in a gorilla costume that comes in the middle of the picture and goes, and then walks off and you're like, no way. And if you're like me, you're like, I don't believe it. I think that second cut was a fake and you gotta go back and watch the original one because you're like, there's no way there was a gorilla. And sure enough, there was a gorilla. Can, can I tell you, that's what like the patterns of this world try to do to you. They try to get you focused on something over here and say, hey, watch how many times they're passing the ball. Focus on your career, focus on money, focus on this, focus on status, focus on that. And God's like, yeah, but don't miss the gorilla, bro. <laughs> but did you miss the gorilla? Did you miss the opportunity you had to pray for that coworker that's going through a divorce right now? Did you miss the opportunity you had where you could have encouraged that classmate? Did you miss the opportunity that you had with your spouse because you were so focused on this that you missed the gorilla? It was right there in the picture. I, I, I wanna have Key's player come up because I, I sound so much more spiritual when he's playing. Because here, here's, here's what you gotta understand. I wanted him to come up because there's an irony in it. What you gotta understand is, you know there's no background music in real life. No background music. Like, another way of saying it, if you're waiting for the perfect moment to make a difference in somebody's life, you'll be waiting forever. You'll be waiting forever. Don't, under, don't ever underestimate the profoundness of a moment because it doesn't feel very profound in the moment. When I reflect on my life and I have those mile markers in life where I'm like, man, this changed my life. It didn't necessarily feel very life-changing in the moment. You probably have had moments like this. It's not until you tell the story years later where you go, oh, that was, that was life-altering. I, I didn't realize that my cubicle being next to that person was life-altering, but if I were to reflect on my life, that was life-altering. No background music in real life. It, it's just, you gotta step into the awkward moments at times finishes with, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Jesus said this, I love this. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What Jesus was saying is from now on, whenever my story's told, her story is told. So, so here, here, here's my question to you. Who would not be able to tell their Jesus story without including your name? Who are you laying it down for? Who are you driving 35 minutes one direction for? Who are you sacrificing for? Who are you praying for? Who are you getting over your pride? Who are you getting over your issues for? Don't underestimate how this is all connected. I told you I, I didn't hear from Ryan Ryan for 20 years until two years ago. I got a call from our director of operations on a Tuesday. I don't ever go into the office on Tuesday because I'm. That's my study day and so I stay away because I can't get a message written with staff around. <laughs> I got a call from our director of operations. Hey dude, I got a letter here and they've heard my Ryan Ryan story and they said, dude, I got a letter here and it's from Ryan Ryan. 
jump in the car immediately, drive to the church, open up this letter from Ryan. Ryan, in the, in the letter was a picture of him and his family and two checks for $1,000. One was to our church and was, one was written out to my wife and I personally. And this is what he said. He said, Andrew, I've been meaning to send you a note of encouragement for some time. About a year ago, someone who heard you preach reached out to my wife and asked if we knew each other. Imagine that. I'm so encouraged by what God has done in your life. And when you're back in the Northwest, I'd love to catch up and I'd love to introduce you to my family, especially my 17-year-old son. He's getting ready to head into his senior year and I think he faces many of the same questions and challenges you did back when our lives crossed path almost 20 years ago. Anyway, enclosed are two checks from our family, one to help support your church there in Florida and a second one to maybe help fund a trip back to the Northwest so you and your wife can connect with old friends and family. If there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that long-term friendships are invaluable. Blessings, my friend. Ryan, Ryan, his, and he left his cell phone on there. I called that brother right away. I called him, I said, dude, this is Andrew Gard. And he started laughing, I started laughing. And, and so he's like, dude, so what happened over the last 20 years? <laughs> I told him the story. He had, he had Googled and followed. He knew what was going on with our church. He'd been starting to follow it about a month prior. I said, dude, can, can you do me a huge favor? Can I fly your family out at our four-year anniversary? And I want you to see the fruit of what you sowed into a 17 year old young man 20 years ago. Because at our church, in the first four years of our church, we had seen over 7,000, at that time, we had seen over 7,000 people make decisions for Christ. And God was moving them. And it all started because Ryan Ryan, he brings his whole family out. We take him to Disney World. It's an unbelievable trip. His 17 year old son comes, loves the church actually now is wild, now goes to college at Southeastern University so that he could be a part of our church. Got focused on God, got his relationship with God in check. You do not know the ramifications and the implications of your boldness and faithfulness. You do not know how your children's children will be changed forever because of your faithfulness right now. My prayer for you and my, the reason why I came here is to tell you this, come on, let's start stepping out in faith. Let's start leading groups. Let's start getting involved in kids ministry. Let's start getting involved in youth ministry. Let's start holding something, at the, you know, let's start holding a sign. At the, uh, let, let's sow into other people. And if we do that, we'll see God move profoundly. Come on, let's bow our head. And I just wanna ask two quick questions. The first question is this, you're in this room right now and you're, you're not following Jesus. In fact, if you and I were to go out to eat and I were to ask you, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If, you, if your answer is no, then I believe actually this is why you came to church today. Yeah. Or, may, or maybe you'd say, man, 20 years ago I was walking with God, but I've walked away and today you just say, I wanna come home. I wanna accept the free gift of salvation, the free gift of grace. Not just so when I die, I go to heaven, but so I can start a new kind of life with God right now today and ask God to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to do something kind of bold, the same thing I did. 22 years ago, just, just to lift up your hand, that's it. Say, yeah, pastor, that's me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So for some of you, man, this is gonna be like a birthday. And if that's you, ready? One, two, three. Go and lift up, lift up your hand all across this room. It's awesome, yep, see right here. Yep, see you both right there. I love that. Yep, see you right here. Way to go. Most important decision in your life, who is Jesus? He's Lord, meeting you right where you're at, forgiving you of your sins. You can put your hands down, way to go. Second question is this, you're in this room and you're following Jesus. But you'd say, ah, God, stir me to engagement. Stir me to action. God, I, I don't wanna be so worried about saying the wrong thing that I say nothing. God, God, help me to step into divine moments. I want you to lift up your hand all across this room and I wanna pray for us. God, I pray. 
God, that you would go with us, go with us into our schools, go with us into our workplaces, go with us into the coffee shops, go with us into the grocery store. God, just be with us. God, give us eyes to see a world that desperately needs you. God, we love you and we commit ourselves to your work. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen and amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord this morning for his goodness and his kindness and his faithfulness? Thank you.